I'm David Eastall, and this is The C86 Show. Welcome once again to my life, as I'll be bringing you songs you know, some you don't, and some you should. As always, I'll be bringing you the finest indie pop from the golden decade that was the 80s and as you know each week i like a special guest this week is going to be the turn of marcus palmer from the sun charms so i'll be bringing you that interview which i did a few months ago in five easy to digest little segments alongside the usual award worthy playlist as i'll be crossing time space and genre with the finest in indie pop but i think we should kick off this is she feels Thank you. 
And that's the Pop Guns with a track called Waiting for the Winter. And that um, comes from a new compilation that's coming out, I do believe, in July, which is going to be titled C89. This is on the Cherry Red Record label, and it's another celebration of all things 80s and indie, and that's all part of that scene. And this is a triple CD um, compilation collection that follows the C86, C87. 7, C88. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Anyway, this Nelly features, I do believe, 70 tracks or 70 plus tracks, plus a fantastic booklet and um, an essay written by the one and only Neil Taylor, who um, was the NME journalist who also compiled or co-compiled the original C86 cassette back in the day. And um, I do believe... Yes, it's going to um, fill all your indie needs. So, uh, if, And if you're also obsessed about collecting and um, having the set, you'll obviously need to buy the C89 collection. And like I said, that's going to be coming out very soon. But before that, we had our special guest, which is um, the Sun Charms, all the way from Sheffield, featuring the one and only Marcus Palmer on vocals. And they have a compilation of their stuff that's come out recently. Plus, there is a local con- con- connection because they were part of um, or on the Wild Club Records uh, record label back in the 80s or 90s, which was won by, run by the one and only Baz or Barry Newman. And um, they they obviously had played at the Wild Club quite a few times as well. But anyway, I've got that interview to come up. But to keep the party rolling, I think we should play a track from their uh, EP that came out on Wild Club Records. This is One I See. <laughs> Will I die? Don't 
and that's the track called One I See, and that came from a four-track EP back in 1991 from the uh, Sun Charms all the way from Sheffield, and that was on the Wild Club record label that was run by the one and only Barry Newman, who also used to run the Wild Club um, music nights back at the um, Norwich Art Centre, I do believe, on a Monday. Anyway, this is David Eastall. This is the C86 show. A bit later on, just to keep the suspense, I will tell you how you can contact me, if you so wish. But we're going to play the first part of my interview that I did with the lead singer from the Sun Charms. This is Marcus Palmer, where we talk about the Wild Club days. Take it away, Marcus. Yes, um, Wild Club Records. Um, Barry from uh, Wild Club Records, he was the one who released our first two EPs, which was a Sparkle and Tranquil Day. Um, and we played at, down at the Wild Club, uh, the uh, Norwich Arts Centre. That is Norwich Arts Centre indeed, actually, which is yeah, quite an amazing yeah. thing, because the band is obviously based in Sheffield. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, a friend of ours, we sort of... Uh, Decided he was going to be the manager at the time in sort of like about 1990, and uh, he sort of sent off demo tapes, uh, and one of them arrived at Wild Club Records in in Norwich, and uh, Barry got in touch with us, and um, we basically went down there, and uh, that's where we re- re- recorded our second EP. Yes, down in Norwich at Purple Rain Studios, we played at um, yeah down at the Art Centre, uh, supporting Curve was one of the gigs uh, we played. With the indie pop scene that I've been slightly obsessed with, it's normally, you know, I put it down to sort of lasting from sort of 83 to 87, and then things start to sort of happen, the Smiths break up. And then, you know, the musical scene changes quite a lot, so there's kind of grunge started, and then there's obviously the Manchester and dance scene. So you came along a little bit after that, didn't you? With this Yeah, well, of... we originally originally started about sort of 1989, and... Um, it was sort of me and the bass player Richard, who originally sort of we were just sort of uh, obsessed with music, playing sort of records in our bedrooms, and we'd sort of we'd listen to the, like the, the C86 sort of um, tape. And his older brother was a couple of years old, couple of years older, so he, he had lots of this sort of stuff from '85, '86, uh, which we were listening to as well, sort of like you know, like your, your Mighty Mighties and um, you know the, the Razor Cuts. So so we were heavily into sort of like that. That sort of um, stuff, which were a couple of years sort of before our time, because when we were we were sort of sixteen in nineteen eighty six, and um, but it was about sort of like eighty seven, eighty eight when we sort of started to really listen to music and start talking about should we form a band? Yes. Um, so I mean, my record collection really at the time I was like sort of I bought sort of uh, sorry to embarrass you EP by the Razor Cuts, but I was also listening to like the the Dead Kennedys. And also, the Exploiters had a complete like sort of schizophrenic. So every one minute, be playing like you know, Dead Cities by the Exploited, followed by um, Bringing Up Baby by Tallulah Gosh. Yes. So it was a complete like you know contrast. Fantastic. Uh, but that was also his love for like things like the Buzzcocks, which a lot obviously the family tree of a lot of the C86 uh, bands. You know, loved Pete Shelley and the Buzzcocks. Yeah, well, abs- absolutely, because it was quite it was quite interesting, sort of having done quite a lot of these shows for about eighteen months, and um, 
or one a week and and sort of an interview in these you know all these bands is that most people do sort of just uh, I don't know have that sort of a, f- a five year sort of narrative of sort of you know getting together and sort of doing it and for various reasons you know the wheels come off after about five years almost to the week I would say yeah, um, and, yeah. and sort of one of the the sort of issues and there's several but one of them is 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 the, um, yeah, sort of musical fashion changing and sort of realising that your sort of fans who loved you so much sort of have sort of wandered off and aren't that bothered anymore by the second or third album. So obviously you came along when sort of, I suppose around the time when the musical landscape had changed because I think people had sort of had enough of the C86 world and indie pop, but then there was the sort of slight shoegazing like Galaxy 500 and, and yeah. obviously those kind of bands like Muzzy Star as well. So you, and, and yeah, the Sundays had just had that sort of great album their debut album reading writing writing and arithmetic so you sort of came on sort of in that period yeah so we were sort of 90 91 but our first sort of gigs was sort of uh, in about sort of about sort of 1989 90 and that's when we it was was great for us because we we were basically playing with bands who were in our record collection at that point because we were sort of like still teenagers but we we were sort of supported um brilliant corners played with sort of like St. Christopher and uh, the Orchids and uh, one of us, my favourite memories of the uh, one of the gigs we played, we supported television personalities who were uh, you know, were sort of great fans of and that was uh, down in a, a club in Nottingham called Cool Cat Club which was uh, run by the, the Fat Tulips and they invited us down to play with uh, the television personalities and that was a, a massive thing for me at that time because I had, I had everything that sort of um, Dan Treacy had done so to, uh, you know, sort of open for them, that was a, felt like a real honour. And that's the first part of my interview that I had with Marcus Palmer from the Sun Charms all the way from Sheffield. And I do have exciting news because I do believe in July on the Slumberland uh, record label, they will be releasing new material, a double A-side single, which is going to be on vinyl, plus there'll be digital release as well. And I think last weekend they did play a date as well, which I'll try and find out some more information. So I do believe, and we will find out a bit more as the interview goes on, that the band have come back to life. They were a little bit dormant, but... um, all is going to be good, and I do think that uh, they found the love of playing music again. Anyway, I think we should have another track by the band. This is another song which came from, I was going to say that EP, but I'll have to check. But this is Sparkle, and no, this isn't my life story either.
And that was Sparkle from The Sun Charms. And that was the opening track on their EP, which was also titled The Sun Charms, that came out on Wild Club Records. Yes, I did my research. I found out all these things. Anyway, this is David Eastall on The C86 Show. And um, as you probably have gathered this week's special guest, he was all the way from Sheffield. And no, it wasn't ABC all. Who else? Oh, yes, the Human League. Oh, yes, I've got my finger on the pulse. Anyway, look, this is the second part of my interview with Marcus where we talk about getting the sound of the band together. And Marcus is going to explain all and much, much more. Yeah, I mean, we, we all came from sort of, sort of different sort of, sort of sound, different sort of... There, there was a few sort of bit of a crossover, in, at least in the record collection. But I think what when you listen to our sort of um, EPs, uh, there's a complete... Sort of a difference in the tracks, and I think that sort of comes in from what the what the band members were into at the time. So we had so like Matt on a guitar and the, and the drummer Chris, very more in, into the sort of um, the Cure, and they'd even got they'd even got stuff like you know like Bauhaus and sort of a more gothy stuff. And then you had sort of like uh, me and Richard, the bass player, more I don't know more more into your, more indie pop stuff tied in with a lot of sort of sixties stuff like the the birds and like the pebbles garage stuff. And then John was just a uh, he was like the sort of main lead guitarist into not in really into India at all, just a complete mixture of stuff in his record collection, like, you know, from Thin Lizzy to, you know, sort of middle of the road rock to so throwing it all into a pot. I mean that's I think that's what probably what uh, gave us our our sound. Yes. And you've, you know, obviously you must be quite chuffed because you've sort of managed to sort of get together a kind of collection of all your stuff, haven't you, on um, on yeah. Cloudbury Records. So was that quite a recent thing to, yeah, so, to actually yeah, do? So that's, that's, yeah, so that's 2016, I think it was 14, 15, where we'd um, originally, we'd come across the, I mean, we'd, be, we'd been split up sort of from sort of 1993, but in sort of like 2014, 15, um, we discovered a, a blog um, from Cloudberry Records, who very much is keeping the whole sort of like the '86 independence sort of sort of a small scale scene alive, um, and it, it basically just said it was the Sun Charms EP, and he was in Miami at the time. And we were like, we were like, wow, in Miami that EP we recorded, in, you know, sort of you know twenty odd years before, is now being spun constantly all afternoon in, in Miami with this uh, blogger and record labels, um, you know, boss. So we, we made a bit of a contact and we had an interview. And then the bass player, uh, Richard, was uh, at Indie Tracks. And uh, it, it formed a, a, another band uh, called Screen Prince, who um, sort of rock, the owner of Cloudberry Records. Was sort of like he, he was watching them at the time. And then he sort of bumped into to Richard. And uh, they had a conversation and, and, and rock from Cloudberry Records. and said how much he'd love to compile all our stuff, our EPs, plus anything unreleased. And uh, release an album, which uh, came out in 2016 on sort of CD with a really nice booklet. And that CD basically prompted the band to meet up in a pub in Sheffield. I mean, we kept in touch with each other, but not not really been in the same room for about at least sort of 15 years. So we just sort of sat in a, in a pub and we brought all those memorabilia and sort of reviews and um, you know anecdotes and and that's that's when we started talking about you know what if you know. Could we still do it? You know, it's now 2016. Could we? What would happen if we got into a room now? Could <laughs> we still play? Because none of us had, had really sort of, apart from Richard, had done 
uh, a bit of stuff with a band called the Screen Prince. None of us have sort of gone off and played live or recorded much, much else. So um, it was at that point, weird with the Cloudberry Records release, that we sort of said, well, let's let's book a rehearsal room, and then we sort of like got back together in 2016, um, and sort of we've been sort of putting music together ever since. And um, from that Cloudberry Records release, that's when we sort of we, we started to get picked up by lots of sort of um, you know internet radio stations and uh, digital radio stuff. So we got we got played on BBC Six. Um, Gideon Co played as and um, Mark Radcliffe played some tracks off the off the EP off the so sort of the Cloudberry Records album. Um, but then sort of like you, know, you sort of like a lot of the sort of American shoegaze or radio stations like DKFM and then there's a, an Irish shoegaze one called Primal Radio and then Re- Reverb, uh, another sort of independent radio station started playing tracks off it. But what we, th- we thought was like, like really was amazing was the fact that they'd be all bra- basically contemporary sort of um, bands of sort of like, you know, sort of probably 19, 20-odd-year-olds and then we'd be bang in the middle. <laughs> you know, say on a, on a radio show, so there'd be sort of like the American, the American shoegaze fans who were looking back to the early '90s and replicating a lot of the sounds, but obviously with a, a new production and sort of a more sort of keyboards and synths in there. But and we'd be bang in the middle with our tracks from the early '90s. It, it sort of, but they tend to fit, be a nice fit for um, you know a lot of these, a lot of the radio shows we were listening to, and we're still sort of being played on quite a few of those shows now, sort yes. of like America, American shows. And uh, the, this, there's another show in um, Hawaii uh, um, called Mild Mannered DJ, and he's been playing our tracks again, mixed in with basically all brand new sort of 2016-17 releases and then our, our stuff from 1991. So, yeah, it's all, it's all... And that's the second part of my interview with lead singer and tambourine player Marcus Palmer from Sheffield bass band The Sun Charms. I've still got another three parts of that interview to come out. But before we have any more chat, I think we should play another track by the band. This is Market. This is Magic Carpet.
a track called Magic Carpet by the Sun Charms. And I was just looking at uh, various other recordings they did. And they also did a John Peel session back in April 1992. And the four tracks they recorded for John Peel um, and his show were Magic Carpet, Into the Sun, Spaceship and On Reflection. Um, and that was all recorded at the one and only Maida Vale Studios. Anyway, this is David Eastall, The C86 Show. If you want to contact me, it's always nice to hear your messages or get your messages as long as they're kind of groovy and constructive and optimistic, otherwise don't bother. But anyway, you can via Twitter or Facebook, just go to at C86show and I will be there and it will be delightful because let's face it, it's nearly the summer solstice and we're all feeling very optimistic. Well, it's a lot of uh, light evenings and light mornings as well. Anyway, the second or no, third part of my interview with Marcus where we talk about how they, um, or how, yes, how they collected the material together because obviously back in the day it was um, probably all over the place on EPs, LPs and Sets. How did you do it, Marcus? Tell us the news. Uh, no, no, it was uh, just on uh, two 12 inch EPs. Um, and then we, we had one track on a Wild Club Records uh, CD album. Uh, but no, it wasn't on CD, just purely on vinyl. So, so uh, but, yeah, but it was one thing because we, we've done one, one gig since we've uh, got back together, and that was a gig in Preston, at uh, Preston Continental. And that was opening for the Chesterfields and the Orchids which, again, was really bizarre because one of our earliest first gigs in 1989 was opening for the Orchids. So fast forward, you know, 25 years and playing with the Orchids again. Um, it was like just very, very strange. But we've got our, our first Sheffield homecoming gig coming up in June, on June the 16th, where we're sort of like uh, headlining a, a venue called Record Junkie. And we've got absolutely no idea whether... It's going to sell out. Or it's going to be completely <laughs> empty. We could be playing to the, you know, the asking the security man to come upstairs to, like, you know, make up the crowd or, you know, get getting the bar stuff to clap, you know, to clap and like sing along. You've got yes. no idea who's going to turn up. You know, since it's 1993 since we last played Sheffield. So, um, yeah, right. yeah, that's a long time. And do you sort of, because the other thing that sort of trips a lot of people up, and there's quite a few things that people get tripped up in um, with the music industry, is kind of like the admin and dealing with the legality of it all and, and sort of things like publishing and ownership of music. So was that something that you were able to slightly navigate better than most bands? Yeah, I mean, we, we basically just carried, uh, contacted uh, Barry from Wild Club Records and just gave us sort of permission um, I think I mean all those memories are very very I think we own we owned the first EP but I think the second EP was sort of um, basically I think he might have had the rights for that one and, but he then paid for all the recordings and it's, it's, it's so long ago but uh, yeah basically the permission was just given and it was um, then sort of passed on to Cloudberry Records to, to release as a you know a nice uh, CD album with a nice colourful booklet uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's what's also been has been amazing about this this this, this journey is that they having to sort of practice and these the old songs from 1991, we had to sort of relearn them all. <laughs> so it was a case of listening to them back and like having to how, how did we do that or what were the lyrics to that bit and what were the, what were the chords there. So although we've got the new tracks, the old tracks feel like new tracks as well because they're almost like brought to life again. So we've had to bring them bang into like 2018. And relearn them. So yes, absolutely. They don't feel stale or old. They feel brand new again with the new tracks because we had to learn them again. And what so, was uh, the? And what yeah. did you have a moment when you decided? You know, when the band finished, um, was it a specific moment or did it just drift apart? 
just, I, I think, I mean, when we, when we, we all had these massive dreams that we would never have to work and um, it, we were just going to become pop stars and, um, you know, we'd have a, a jet with sun charms across the side and we'd be, um, yeah, you know, sort of uh, just relaxing next to, you know, on tropical beaches after yes. releasing a few massive selling albums. But <laughs> when that didn't happen, I think, um, and plus with it, with it, I mean, the record label sort of folded as well, Wild Club Records, and then we were at, we were at that point in our lives where we were sort of, you know, sort of going off, sort of doing different things. I think then tied in with that, we'd had, we'd had sort of like rolling sort of, you know, even the tiniest success, but everything we did was so essentially successful, like as releasing the first demo tape, sort of sold out in Sheffield, Sheffield shops, and then we sent that demo tape to a record label, and the, you know, and the record label picked up on it and released EPs, then we got into the indie charts, and then after that, we got the John Peel session. So we, like, you know, we recorded a John Peel session, and then, and then when, then when the record label then folded, and it didn't seem to be any options to go anywhere, and, uh, and then we were sort of like drifting apart, as in people moving to different cities and things, and then that seemed to be like the natural end to it, almost like, well, we'll give it its best shots, and you know, that's tough. We never actually. I don't think. I don't. Can't remember. We ever. We actually said we split up. We just sort of stopped. Stopped meeting. <laughs> you know. She just didn't um, turn up on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've often thought as well that I, I, I ne- none of us really sort of went off to, to do join other bands really, apart from Richard playing with sort of Screen Prince, but they weren't a touring band tour. They were just like a more of a, a project sort of band, what release of like one album. And I, I, I mean, I don't know. I can speak to for everyone, but I, I just felt as if. I wouldn't want to be in a band with anyone else because we're, we're such good friends and we, we enjoy not only making the music, but it, it just seems to come alive when we get in a room together. But it's the comradeship and the, the friendship that I never sort of thought, right, I, I want to go on, join another band or form, make more music. I just want to do it with these particular guys. That's, and so coming back together, it's, wow, it's not often in life you get a second chance to do it. So, and, and, I mean, at the moment, sort of like uh, Matt, the guitarist, is every time we meet up, he says, I've got a new song. And he, he can't stop. They're just oh, sort of wow. pouring out of him all these new, new, new tracks. And uh, but what's frustrating is we can't, we can only meet once a month because the uh, bass like, guitarist lives in Manchester and there's, there's other commitments, which means we can only meet once a month. It makes everything so slow. Um, but with just this, just this moment, got his own sort of, bought his own sort of portable little studio. So that should speed things up and we to record you know, recorded things, start recording things already, just uh, just in in the bedroom. And it's uh yeah, it's sounding good. Well, it's all sounding good so far. What could possibly go wrong? Anyway, I love that little bit of interview when he was talking about Preston Continental Club because I've been to Preston quite a lot and um, it does sound um, rather exotic and the sort of place one should go on their summer holidays. Anyway, it's all looking good. Hopefully, even better for the future. It's always nice to hear a good story. But anyway, I think we'll play one more track before the next part of the interview. This is from their... Uh, release on Wild Club Records. This is a Tranquil Day.
Sun Charm with a track called Tranquil Day. This is David Eastall, the C86 show. And um, if you want to contact me, I will just say it again. You can via Twitter or Facebook. That's just uh, just go to C at C86 show and I will be there. But anyway, the fourth part of my interview with Marcus Palmer from the Sun Charms. And this is where um, he's talking and we're talking about the new release and the excitement of if anyone's going to be interested and enjoy them. I'm sure they will, but uh, the creative process, it probably makes most people slightly neurotic, but um, in a positive way, obviously. What I really need to put, you know, to put, put to bed and just, just to, just after all, after all those years, is just with these new tracks, we've got the uh, two new tracks coming out in, in June as the double A side single, is just that, are they, are they going to be... Um, are people going to like them? Are people going to take them to, you know, the heart like they, they did with the, you know, the, the, the tracks from the early 90s? So just, you know, it's just, again, it's just fascinating to just, and, you know, it's quite nerve-wracking, just wondering how they're going to be uh, reviewed and sort of uh, and what people are going to think of them. Because it's, it's, it's not often that, you know, bands bands come back and uh, and uh, you tend to like the, the, the new tracks compared with, with their old stuff. I know that, from, from our contemporaries, I mean, Ride seem to be and sort of seem to be doing a, a good job at sort of bringing out some sort of good quality stuff. What's going down very well. So uh, yeah, if we can do something like that, the term is is adopted by you know young and sort of like older fans. Yes. I mean, that, that, that'd be great. It would be. Well, I suppose it's the sort of the, the nature of being a creative artist, really. I suppose you do have to sort of take. Risks. I suppose that's what David Bowie was always good by, good yeah, about, yeah. and and he always took amazing risks, really. And, st- and to some extent, so did Neil Young. And bizarrely, Sting sort of brought out a collaboration album with Shaggy this this kind of past yeah. month. So I think you know, I think you know that just shows yeah, yeah. that that Shaggy's it, turned us down, and we he never got back. <laughs> so that's always quite interesting. I mean, and the other thing is because obviously several decades have passed. I mean, and you're the vocalist. I mean, did you sort of think? Oh my God! Can I still do it? You, you're obviously going to be okay with a tambourine, but I mean, 
or um, no? Well, you? yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I, you know, I, I listened back to the, the tracks and, uh, and you know, I thought, well, that's all that's that's the whole thing. What, what I mean by when we release it, how's it going to be accepted? You know, accepted. I mean, I, I feel like I've just, I've just sort of, we just left the studio in 1991, and uh, with you know, it's. The chemistry is still there, and I, I seem to be finding those those little gaps and those hooks in the you know in between the guitar licks and hooks that I did in the past. So I'm I'm hoping so. Yes. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens. But the it's I mean it's the I mean the, the story the story for us with with the with the release is uh is is because we it's coming out on Slumberland Records. The uh, the single, and um, in when we just Wild Club had finished, and we thought that's that's it, it's all over. It's like 1993, and we actually got uh, some of the records contacted us, asking if we'd like to release something, and um, that seemed to be like our very last, or that's it, that's our last last chance, you know. And Slumberland Records, you know, a, a really cool. Great little American, well, American label, releasing really good quality tracks. I thought this is this is what we've got some of the records from America, so I wanted to release something. And um, so our last track we recorded, we it was, it was onto a dat tape, and we posted it off to some of the records. And this is pre-emails, pre-mobile phones. So we printed, padded envelope, you know, in felt tape, wrote Slumberland Records in big big black writings to make sure that, you know, the postman could see the address and post it off and we didn't hear anything. And um, we just took that as, well, that's it. He doesn't like the track. He's like the stuff on the two EPs, and but he doesn't like what we've produced after the two EPs and uh, he just thought, well, I'll not get back. And um, basically fast forward till 2016 and the release of the Cloudberry Records um, album and Facebook and the rest of it, and uh, our bass player got in sort of contact with Sullivan Records boss, who basically said he'd never even received the tape we'd send, the dad tape. So, <laughs> so you know, obviously in, in, in the past we just you know, just presumed that the, the padded envelope would get there. Yes. Whereas you know we couldn't have followed it up with a, a phone, you know, a, a phone call because you know we just everyone just had you know, there were no mobile phones, no email, so we just presumed that he wasn't interested. Until mm. he, yeah, he said, you know, um, I never received it, oh, and then that prompted us to be in touch with him and sending, we sent him the new tracks, and um, you know, and it's uh, history putting itself right, yes. <laughs> the world itself right. Uh, you know, it's uh, he likes the two new tracks he's heard, and he's going to release them as a double seven-inch single in June, and then with a digital download as well. So uh, again, that's just uh, that's wonderful for us. It's just like Romeo and Juliet, the Miss Letter. My God, life could have been so much different. But anyway, look, um, I've still got one very small part of the interview to go before the end of the show. Actually, I think I'll play it now, because otherwise it might not appear. So this is going to be the bit where I ask Marcus what he would say to his 18-year-old self. Marcus, give us some wisdom. I think what, what I would say, it would just be, just just carry on doing your own thing, not not caring about the media at all, not caring about fashion, just keep just releasing things and it's just going to be a roller coaster ride of, you know, this fashions come and go and just do your own thing. I mean, 
the perfect example for me for a band like that is, is the Pastels, who've just stuck to their guns, and like, you know, no matter what fashion has been around them, they've just released their own, created their own sound, released those albums, and some have been completely slated by the critics, some have, you know, had, had you know, glorious reviews of, you know, stuff like the, what being called cult legends and, and the rest of it. And uh, so, yeah, my advice would be just to completely ignore sort of, uh, you know, the, the critics and just, just keep, keep you know, ploughing away and being creative and doing your own thing. And then, you know, you just don't know who's going to pick you up. Indeed. It's a mystery, as Toya Wilcox once said. But anyway, uh, that's the end of my interview that I did with Marcus Palmer from The Sun Charm. So if you want to know any more information, there's bits and pieces around the internet on Facebook, um, The Sun Charms, or go to Cloudbury Records or Slumberland Records, or just go to YouTube and then see lots of their sort of videos or um, these songs. And I do believe their album is available and it's probably on Spotify as well. But anyway, that is unfortunately the end of the show. This has been a David store the c86 show thank you ever so much for listening and a huge thank you to marcus palmer for giving me that information give me that information give me that interview and like he said if you were paying attention and hopefully you were there is going to be some new material coming out next month on slumberland records um that's true don't uh, don't take it from anyone else. But anyway, I'll leave you with one more song by the band. This is from a John Peel session. This is Spaceship. Have a good week. Thank you. Yeah.